Hi friends, welcome to the podcast Care Package to Japan, where we showcase God's love for Japan through stories of people. I am your host, Evangeline, and let's get started with today's episode. Today, I have Renee with me, and she's actually doing her quarantine right now in Japan. So, Renee, thank you so, so much for taking your time out of your precious quarantine hours to chat with me on this podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. I've been a missionary in Japan for 19 years now. I came in 2003, and when the 2011 earthquake and tsunami hit, I was in northern Japan in a town called Hirosaki in Aomori Prefecture. And so I was able to bring supplies and food and things to the tsunami victims because I was able to get there by car.、Um, after the earthquake and tsunami, all public transportation pretty much came to a stop. The,、uh, the railroads weren't able to go because there were areas of, that were washed away from the tsunami and the Roads weren't open to the public, and there could be no boats or ships because all of the harbors were messed up. And so, anyone who could go by their own car was about the only people who could bring help in the area. So, I started doing that every week,、uh, and it would take us、um, 15 hours. Of driving time. And usually, once we distributed at different shelters and areas, then we would be usually gone about 20 hours. So we did that every single week、um, for the first six months. And then after that, every other week for the next two years. And then in the, uh, after that, I was. Transferred up to Sapporo on the island of Hokkaido. So after that, I continued coming once a month to do heart care workshops where it was more instead of bringing relief supplies, we we're concentrating on the emotional needs of the people who had survived and were still experiencing that post trauma、uh, condition. So I started doing these、um, heart care workshops where we would sing songs, we would do crafts,、um, have a little tea time, and I'd do a little devotional message from the Bible and pray for everyone. So by that time, I needed to come by ferry. So it was now 15 hours one way, 30 hours round trip to go once a month. And I'd stay a couple of days in the tsunami area every time and then go back up to Sapporo. So in 2018, I was able to move full time to the tsunami area and I opened the Watermelon Cafe then. And we'll be celebrating our fourth anniversary on April 6th. For, do you want to give a little background for the guests who are not familiar with Japan's geography? So, in terms of Miyako, where is that? In terms of Hokkaido, where is that in relation to, let's say, a big city like Tokyo? Okay, for、uh, where we are is about eight hours north of Tokyo. So we're on the main island of Honshu, and the very top, the very tip of the main island is Aomori Prefecture, where I was living originally. And the next prefecture down is Iwate Prefecture, and that's where I've been ministering.、Um, most people、uh, will recognize Sendai and Miyagi Prefecture,、um, that's about four hours south of us.、So 
So the whole coastal line here uh, on the north side was affected heavily by the tsunami. But what I found was in the American news, most of the news concentrated on either Fukushima or Sendai. And very little news got out about Iwate Prefecture. And actually they were hit the hardest of all of the other areas, but it's a very rural area, not much population. And it's further from main cities like Tokyo where there's an international airport. So most volunteers who came were only able to go um, to the places close enough to Tokyo where they could easily get there and back. So many volunteers went to Miyagi Prefecture Uh, That's why God put it on my heart to help Iwate Prefecture because I felt that they were forgotten, at least in the international news. And then when I went up to the Northern Island in Sapporo, whereas um, they've had the Winter Olympics there before and they're very well known for their snow festival every February. And so as you can see, they had very severe weather up there. Uh, And when I would uh, talk to people about my trips down to Iwate and I would call it the devastation area. They'd say, oh, did something happen in Iwate? It was not even on the radar for people in Japan, I felt. So I really, um, God really put these people on my heart that I felt were getting overlooked by the rest of the world and Japan. So many people have have asked when there's been other disasters in in Japan, are you gonna go there next, you know? But um, God only put it on my heart to help Iwate Prefecture. So I felt that um, that was where I was to focus all of my ministry and my energy. That's so special that you have a heart for Iwate. I think think, um, God definitely sees that prefecture and loves the people there and that just really shows how much God is willing to leave the 99 to go after the one so thank you so much um, for sharing that and I am interested to hear more about the time when you were doing the heart care ministry yeah I love for you to talk a little bit about um, just emotional health in general and how that is in Japan. Um, Because from my understanding, I'm not sure if majority of the people, one, like understand what that is and two, sees the importance of that. Like, would you you agree with that? Would you disagree with that? And can you kind of just like talk about the lay of the landscape of how people think about emotional health? Okay, (laughs) that could take about two hours, but I'll give it my best shot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Japanese are taught it's a very Buddhist thing, so a lot of Asians also are like this. Um, They're taught not to let their emotions show on their face. And so um, you'll notice that most Japanese will try to never um, really lose their uh, temper or be real angry or yell at people and uh, they try to keep the same expression on their face and so after the tsunami uh, even though people had lost loved ones they felt they couldn't cry in front of people they couldn't show that um, emotion of grief 
And what we found is that then the younger generation, the kids and the teenagers, they were looking to their adults, their parents and their grandparents to learn how to deal with these things. And they got absolutely no help. All they were told is to pretend it didn't happen, to try to smile and to move on with your life. Uh, so a lot of these memories were really pushed down deep into people's um, hearts and psyches. And they had never really um, dealt openly with the grief that they were experiencing. So once the people went into the, uh, the cassettes of the temporary um, housing shelters that they had set up uh, to get people out of the shelters, um, many were like 500 people living in one gymnasium and things like that before they were moved to these uh, little units that are all attached and you have basically like one piece of plywood between you and your neighbor. And everyone's living in very, um, very <laughs> confined spaces and you feel like you can't speak loudly or really you can't have a fight with your wife or your kids or do anything because the neighbors can hear everything that's going on. I had some people say they had trouble sleeping because their neighbors snored. One person even said, I can hear them turn on the lights and the light switch every night because they get up to go to the bathroom and it keeps me awake, things like that. Absolutely no, no privacy. And so these people were uh, not only trying to keep a facade of um, of peace and happiness when they were outside with others but even when they were in their own home with their own family they felt like they couldn't really let their true self show so when we would have these heart care workshops and people could sing out loudly and uh, it's really good to for your uh for your spirit as well to be able to sing loudly and we would sing things like what a friend we have in jesus amazing grace and things that would minister to their soul as well and then because everything had been washed away in their homes they were living in these little box houses but had um, no no decorations or anything for the different changing seasons and so each time we come we would do a simple craft and often it would be something like you might do in vacation Bible school in the U.S., but these are people in their 70s and 80s, and they never had an opportunity to use stickers or to um, do fun craft kind of things like they've seen their grandchildren be able to do. So they really loved even the simplest of crafts, and uh, that way they could um, decorate their home and make it feel a little more uniquely their home. And what we found is that people were very hesitant to talk with us one-on-one -on -one when you were looking them in the eyes and asking them direct questions. But if everyone is looking down at their craft and putting stickers on something or um, trying to do origami or something like that, you can talk about a whole lot of things uh, and they'll be more willing to share what's really happening in their life if they don't have someone looking at them straight in their eyes. So that gave us a chance to learn more about the people and their situations and know better how to pray for them. And then uh, we would do just a little simple devotional teaching from maybe one or two scriptures and use that to show the people uh, how the Bible is practical for their daily needs, how the Bible is a book they can turn to when they can't sleep at night or when they are feeling um, stressful and afraid. And we would 
also work on interpersonal relationships, share what the Bible taught about forgiving one another, loving your neighbor, things that they could instantly put in practice where they are. And all of this was brand new to them because there's not a church in the area where we are. And so none of them had met Christians before they met me. Um, so in their mind, Christianity was a Western religion and it wasn't really something that they had interest in. Uh, but when they could see how the verses from the Bible um, helped bring peace to their heart, slowly, gradually, they started to open up to learn more and to hear more about the word. And we still continue this today at the Watermelon Cafe. Thank you so much for doing that um, because I really do think that is what the kingdom of God looks like. Um, like under the weight of sin, it normalizes all of our, like all of our efforts. And, you know, there's no amount of striving. There's no amount of doing ministry or trying to be good that can earn us salvation because we are all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. Yet the beautiful thing is that because of Jesus and what he did on the cross um, that we are all in this family called the body of Christ, which I am so grateful for. So yeah, thank you so much um, for doing that in the Iwate region of Japan. And I'd love to hear a little more about the cafes. An opportunity just presented itself and I felt like God wanted me to go for it. So uh, what there was, was there's a cafe building that was being used just on the weekends. A couple from Tokyo, not Christians, but uh, really, really good people. And they were coming up and volunteering to do a restaurant on the weekends. And then during the week, they would go back to work in Tokyo. And when everyone started moving into permanent housing and we no longer had a place to do the heart care events and I was looking around for a place that we could rent just for two days a week and at that time I found that the uh, that little cafe building was available during the week and so I started talking with the owner in in Tokyo and found out that actually they were thinking of selling it and that the government the city government in Miyako wanted to buy it to use it um, as a place for the, the people playing park golf, kind of like croquet. <laughs> and uh, I just felt like, oh no, this, this should be something open to everyone. And I said, well, I would love to do a cafe in that building. And they said, oh, well, we really were hoping that somehow this, uh, this could be a place to continue to meet the needs of anyone who could come and not just some particular group like the park golf people so um I had at that time still thought that I could come down a couple days a week to do the cafe and come down from Sapporo. Uh, but then the Tokyo people said, we don't really want uh, to sell it to someone who will just be there for, you know, a, a little, a few days a month or something like that. We really want it to be a full-time endeavor. Uh, once, once we got in that building and we started turning it into the Watermelon Cafe, I really knew in my heart that this was God's leading and that this was something he was preparing me for for a long time although I didn't know it and didn't know that this um, would be in my future 
at the time. And the reason I call it the Watermelon Cafe, uh, you can look us up on Facebook if you want to under Cafe Suica, C-A-F-E-S-U-I-K-A. And Suica means watermelon. Most Japanese, especially in rural areas, have never had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And those that have heard the gospel didn't usually understand it because of the difference of the terminology that Christians tend to use are words that are not understood, understood easily by the average uh, Japanese person who hasn't had contact to churches in their area. Um, for instance, uh, the word sin that we use in Japanese means crime. So to them, a sinner is a criminal, someone who has been in jail. And so they don't think that they're sinners. And so they then don't understand why they need a savior because they haven't never been to prison. <laughs> and uh, the word for forgiveness in Japanese is the word they use to say permit. I permit you to do this. So it's like saying after someone did something wrong to you, oh, well, that's okay. Uh, and of course, the deeper and the more heinous the sin, the expectation is that that is unforgivable and you don't have to forgive people for those things. So uh, different aspects of our gospel message are hard for them to understand. Um, their religion is mostly based on good luck, bad luck. So words that we use like grace or blessing to them just means good luck or prosperity. So they can easily misunderstand the gospel when we try to present it in terms of I'm a sinner in need of a savior and um, by God's grace, I've been saved. Those kinds of messages don't mean much to them. So I use the uh, image of the watermelon to explain the gospel. So when you look at the outside of a watermelon, it's all green and shiny and it looks perfect like there's nothing wrong and no problems with it at all. But when you slice it open, you'll see all of these dark black seeds inside. And those are seeds that are in our hearts that other people can't see from the outside. They can be things like pride and bitterness, jealousy and envy, um, selfishness, uh, critical words and judgmental thoughts, things like that, that we hide from others. But then when we learn about Jesus' death on the cross and the blood that's shed for us, that's represented by the red meat of the watermelon. And that completely covers all of the seeds and covers all of our sin. And then the inner rind of the watermelon is white and it represents a clean heart after we have received um, forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And then the outside of the green on the watermelon, if you look at the outside rind, it's not all one shade of green. There's a bright, shiny green, but then there's also like a dark zigzaggy greenish black color. And there's like stripes around a watermelon. And that represents, um, the green represents our growth as um, new believers. But as we are walking through our life, there will be those dark valleys that are represented by the zigzaggy dark areas on the rind of the watermelon. But now we don't go through those difficulties by ourselves. Now Jesus is with us in our heart and he goes with us through those dark valleys and brings us back out into maybe that bright, shiny green type of blessing and growth. 
And then maybe we have another time of trial and difficulty, but then God is still with us and brings us full circle. And the roundness of the water mountain reminds us of eternal life that we now have with Jesus Christ. So by the explaining the gospel as a watermelon, they can identify that they have these black seeds in their heart and that um, they do need forgiveness. And so everything in the in the cafe is decorated in watermelon. Um, our curtains, our clock, the seat cushions, everything is decorated in watermelons. And then we sell lots of different watermelon, uh, some homemade goods and uh, others like dishes and and towels and things that you can use in your home. Um, also like cell phone straps and magnets and, and things that you could uh, put in your, put with your backpack or something like that, or put on your refrigerator. So we have lots of, of little items that we sell there. And one of the points of that is that after the tsunami, everything uh, was just kind of um, gray and black and beige. There were no bright colors because people felt like that was disrespectful to the dead, that they shouldn't be happy or look too cheerful. So people's clothes were beige, beige navy, black, gray. <laughs> people's houses were just plain. There wasn't a lot of um, bright colors or any decorations. And so when people would come to the Watermelon Cafe for the first time and see all those bright colors, at first they were, they were kind of surprised. <laughs> But then they realized that uh, those bright colors really brought um, joy into their life. And it seemed like it was a happy place to go to. So when they buy one of those watermelon trinkets and, and put that in their home, then our prayer is that that will be a reminder that not everything from the tsunami was bad, but that there were good things that happened because of the tsunami. Some of that was new relationships they had from people they met at the temporary housing. And some of that was um, the blessings of different volunteers who would come and do concerts or help um, dig mud out of their homes and things. And one of those good things that happened after the tsunami is now that there's a cafe that they can go to, that they can uh, have something sweet and talk with their friends, or they can take their grandkids to. It's a place that, uh, that they feel safe and relaxed. And after the tsunami, there was no place like that where people could just sit down and talk with one another. All of those places were washed away and they have like a fast food and a ramen place where you would be expected to eat very fast and then leave so that the next customers can come and sit down. There wasn't a place you could just leisurely talk with your friends. And so we felt it was really important for these people to have a place where they could just um, open up and be themselves and talk about their experiences. And we found that as they were in the cafe, looking out uh, because we're just in that devastated area. So around us, there's absolutely nothing. So when they look out the windows, um, sometimes they'll say, oh, that's where so-and-so's house used to be. And and they'll start talking um, naturally about what happened. And many have opened up to us and said, oh, I've never told this to anyone before. Um, so we want to be a real place of um, refuge and hope and healing 
Um, in that regard, we always play worship music in the background so that there's people even comment on the atmosphere when they go into the cafe, all the bright colors with the watermelons and the soothing atmosphere from the, the spirit in the worship music that we're playing. That is such a fun and unique um, like sim- symbol that, that you are using to teach people about the gospel. It's also very practical because watermelon is something that people know, like they know what it is. Um, they've had it before. So yeah, that is that is super unique and awesome. Thank you. We also have lots of watermelon things on our menu. We do like a watermelon frappuccino in the summer. We do watermelon hot chocolate in the winter. We have watermelon soda and watermelon juice. And um, and we sell lots of different types of watermelon candy and even watermelon cookies. Just for fun, can you talk about what your personal favorite meal would be at your cafe? So I'll say a meal because you can pick like multiple items. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, one of the most popular meals at the cafe uh, is something that I don't really like myself, but I'm, uh, it's it's a fishing village and people really enjoy fish. And so I do a, a creamy tuna sauce on top of rice and uh, just white rice with the creamy tuna sauce. And it's quite popular with the locals there. I personally don't like it, but um, we also do things like lasagna and stroganoff and pizza. Um, Many people had never had pizza until they came to our cafe. They'd heard the word before, but they'd never tasted it. And even if it was like sold frozen in the store, they weren't sure what to do with it because people don't have ovens in Japan. So uh, a lot of times there were things like that, that people would be excited that they've heard the word, but never tried. Um, Another thing that we do is an Okinawan dish called taco rice, and it has all of the taco ingredients, the spicy ground beef and the cheese, the tomatoes, and the, um, and sometimes a little bit of avocado if we've got enough money. (laughs) And that goes on top of rice. And instead of having a tortilla, which are very, very costly in Japan. um, So that's also a popular dish. Um, And then we make like a red velvet cupcake and put little um, chocolate chips on top to make it look like a watermelon. So with a little pink frosting and chocolate chips on and the the red cake is something that really surprises people. (laughs) They've never had anything that color before. So that's another fun thing. Sometimes we do um, Rice Krispie treats, which we will put uh, food coloring and so that they'll be green on the outside and then pink and again we put chocolate chips in there so that looks like you're eating a piece of watermelon but really it's a rice krispie treat so we have a lot of fun coming up with new things when first we talked about doing the cafe i was imagining um cakes and cookies and drinks coffee drinks you know like you might get at a starbucks or something and i i enjoyed uh, baking i just don't really enjoy cooking (laughs) And uh, but 
Once we started, we realized that what people were wanting uh, were places to go for lunch, especially like the men who are working on building the new seawall and um, people in the area that were working. They just wanted a place nearby where they could go for lunch. So we had to start coming up with ideas. And a lot of my first ideas didn't work at all. It, it either didn't work out with the culture um, or just um, I wasn't very good at making it. <laughs> we had a lot of those kind of <laughs> trial episodes, but now we've got a pretty good um, idea of what people will eat. Um, for instance, I originally tried tacos and people didn't know how to eat it. They were trying to eat it with chopsticks. They didn't know what to do with the corn tortilla and things. But then when we changed it to taco rice, it became very popular. So um, we've had a learning curve and the first year was a lot of learning curve, but now we've kind of got a, a good routine down. <laughs> I think a lot of people get discouraged when they initially face any sort of setback. And I love that you just saw it as, okay, like, you know, like God has still placed Japan and specifically Iwate on my heart. And maybe tacos aren't people's favorite. <laughs> Let's iterate and see see what else sticks. Um, yeah, so I love that you did that. Uh, and also Japanese are very um, in seasonal intentionally um, eat certain things only once a year and so I've had to learn that I, I need to only make stro stroganoff when it's really mushroom season in the fall <laughs> and I, I can't have things just too many things all year round because people will be asking oh what what are you having in this season and uh, the Lots of restaurants in Japan, they always will have something that's available just for this season. And so people will go specifically just to eat that because they know they won't have another chance until the next year. Um, so one of the things we do is like we do a cherry blossom cupcake in cherry blossom season and things like that. And the, the watermelon frappuccino is only available in the summer. So we try to do some of those seasonal things as well. In January and February with the snow and the coldness, um, pipes freezing in the morning, people are so busy just trying to keep up with their um, own extra duties that they have. And then it gets dark so early that we don't get many customers coming in. So that's the easiest time for me to be away. And so that's when I go home and I, I am able to speak with my sponsors and also buy lots of new watermelon things and collect watermelon things to come with me back to Japan. So um, what we found is that March is when people things start to thaw and people will come start coming back to the cafe. So next week we will start up again um, and we'll probably still go into it slowly because because we get a lot of snow in March. Um, so by end of March, or once it starts getting warm, then we'll be looking forward to some of those dishes that are for spring. But right now we'll probably still be serving wintry things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and for the audience that um, are from California or from Hawaii or somewhere that's sunny, <laughs> um, Iwate gets very cold and lots of lots of snow in the winter time everything is white so just to put that into perspective um and renee so for the for the um for the heart care 
is that like a kind of like a is there like a set schedule throughout the week that people can come and receive that and then during the other times people can come and eat um what does that look like well before covid uh, we had it once a month and uh, often we'd have like a concert or something special where anyone could come and then sometimes we'd have the um, smaller event where we would do crafts with the ladies and um, most men didn't feel comfortable coming if it was just crafts and a bunch of women so we tried to kind of every other month have something that er anyone would enjoy um, and then when uh, COVID hit, we obviously couldn't do any large gatherings and it was still way too cold to do gatherings outside. Um, so we started just doing what we called one-on-one -on -one heart care. Whenever the people would come in, um, we would show them the craft we were doing for that month and ask if they'd like to make it. And then while they're making it, we'd be able to talk with them and uh, find out what's what's happening in their life in the area that they need prayer for. And then I had uh, written up a heart care message that they could we would give them to take home, written up in Japanese so that they could read it on their own time or read it over and over if they wanted to. And so we were just doing kind of private heart care, but I felt like um, I could do more. And so last year in 2021, when I was praying, God, I felt God speak to my heart and say, you know, you've been treading water. You've been working really, really hard, but you're not going anywhere. And I need you to just start swimming. And it doesn't matter which way you swim, as long as you're moving, then I can redirect you to what I, I have planned out for you, but you need to move. So I was really took that to heart and thought, okay, I, I need to step up to this challenge, but how can I do it? And so I started uh, doing the heart care every week instead of once a month. And so then people who were regulars sometimes would come once a week. Um, then I'd be able to give them the heart care message to take home and show them if they had time to do a craft or just to talk about some of the discussion questions. And um, we have some people that come every single week just uh, to make sure that they get the new heart care. And I've seen pictures of their house where they have these crafts all over the wall and um, they leave them up all year long so if it's easter eggs or if it's a nativity scene it's still in there on their wall all year long um, so i've been seeing a lot of growth in the people who are coming every single week um, and i've also heard from other people that when they took the message home that when something happens in their life they get an argument with their husband or they get really frustrated with their um, adult children or something like that then they'll just go in their room and read that heart care over over again and there's always a prayer at the end and so I believe that there's going to be fruit as I say a lot of watermelon gospel seeds have been planted and so we're we're believing and praying for a harvest from that um, Japanese are very concerned about what other people think and so if uh, we are meeting in a group and they ask questions openly about the Bible then 
and often there'll be gossip about them. Oh, they're, you know, they're getting rid of their Japanese heritage and they're becoming a foreigner with this religion or something. But if they take the message home and they read it in the privacy of their own heart, it has a much better chance of really getting into their heart and mind. I like to ask all of my guests this question before we end the episode. So what is something that is Japanesey? So think of one thing that is Japanesey that you absolutely cannot live without. Well, I'm what Japanese call nekoshita, which means that I have a cat tongue. I'm not I'm not good at drinking really, really hot things or eating like hot soup and stew. So I always enjoy um, judokcha. It's a caffeine-free cold tea blend um, that they have everywhere in Japan and it has no sweetener in it. And when I'm in America, a lot of times um, green tea will have like some kind of honey or some kind of sweetener in it for to make it easier, I guess, for Americans to drink because it's a little bitter. Um, so I always put some judokcha in my suitcase so that when I'm in America, I can still drink that. <laughs> um, otherwise, I'm not, I'm not good at having lots of caffeine in the afternoon and have problems sleeping. So I really love having judokcha. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast today, or if you enjoy this show, feel free to leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify and please rate us. This helps other people find the show and we just really appreciate all of your love and support. Thank you so much. Until next time. Bye.